Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching on Kings in Darkness. This morning, I'm going to share a message that I have called Kings in Darkness. Kings in Darkness. And to let you know where that came from, I'll share with you a vision that I had on the morning of September 19th about dawn. I have come to call these morning visions my morning flashes uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, because they only last five or ten seconds at the most. They're very vivid, and they usually happen in the morning right after I've woke up. I'll wake up. I'll be fully conscious. I will close my eyes, and I'll have like a video screen appear in front of me, and I'll have a vision. It happens to me frequently, but on September 19th, I had a vision. I was standing in this sanctuary. I was looking to the back of the sanctuary, and there were people that were sitting on thrones, and they lined the walls at the back, on the left side, on the back side, and on the right side. And they were sitting on thrones that had armrests. They had their armrests on the thrones, but all the lights were out. And that's about the extent of the vision. Just as quickly as it started, it ended. And so I recorded it on my phone. I spent the rest of the day praying in the spirit, asking the Lord to reveal to me, what are you showing me, Lord? What are you showing me? And the Lord revealed to me and it just came to me and he just said, my people are kings, but they're sitting in darkness and they don't know they're kings in life. They don't know the authority that they have. And I got the distinct impression the Lord wanted me to do my part to change that equation. To let my people know they are kings and they are called of God to reign in life. Amen? So that's the origin of this message. And I've been really excited about preaching it. I stayed up last night after I prepared my message and I listened to an old YouTube video preached by John Osteen at Lakewood Church and he preached on this very same topic. And I was delighted to hear that he used almost all the same scriptures that I did. And his whole tenor, sort of the whole core of the message, was exactly what the Lord gave me. And that was 30 years ago that he preached that. But you know what? It's sad to me that 30 years ago that revelation was put out there, but it's still not received by the vast majority of Christians in the body of Christ Amen. Most people in the body of Christ don't see themselves as kings and they don't understand the authority that they have. And I'm here to try and change that. Amen. So stay with me. I think you're going to enjoy this. Some of you might have heard it before, as I said there before we started recording, uh, but some really need to hear this. We want to begin with Romans chapter five, verse 17 in the King James Version. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Woo, glory. I'm already excited about this. Amen. Listen to the way it says it in the Living Bible. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. 
But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. You were made to be a king in this life. You were made to have dominion. You were made to rule and reign over this earth. Amen. I want to draw your attention to a very important topic. You were made like God in two important ways. Number one, you were made in God's image. Amen. You were made in God's image. Number two, you were made to have dominion. Most people get kind of squeamish uh, when it comes to this topic, and they don't want to say that I was made to have dominion. But it's in the Bible. It's God-breathed. Let me read it to you. Amen. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, in the King James Version. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Amen. Could I just stop right there and do a little jig? Hallelujah. Let them have dominion. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Amen. Aren't you glad you have authority and dominion over creeps? Amen. Verse 26 in the Living Bible says it like this. Then God said, let us make a man, someone like ourselves, to be the master of all life. Did you know you were made to be a master of all life? Did you know when you went to the beach, instead of being afraid to go in the water, You should take authority over the sharks and say, not this day, not me and my children. We're going swimming and you're keeping clear because I got dominion over you. It sounds far fetched, but as far as I can tell, it's in the Bible. Glory to God. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Amen. Do you think God is gender confused? No. That's sheer lunacy being propagated out there in the world system. You know, I like what my preacher friend says. You either male or female or you're confused. One or the other. Amen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And I say amen to that. Verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. If it moves, you have dominion over it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, let me just sort of open this passage up here in Genesis. and Just stay with me. Everywhere you see the word God used in this passage, four times total from verse 26 through 28, 
It is translated as God from the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim is plural for God. Literally, it is God's. Amen? Which strongly implies that God is made up of more than one part. And if God made man in his own image, then man must also be made of more than one part. Amen? There are many scriptures which teach us the truth of the Trinity. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, three personalities, and yet they are one God. In the same sense, you are spirit, soul, and body, yet you're one person. Amen. I don't have time to develop that or, or camp on that, but you guys know that. Amen. Hallelujah. But not only were we made like God in composition and in character, we were also made like God in function. We were made to execute or to establish dominion just like God, just like a king. Amen. Notice in verse 26 that both of these things are established right off the bat. Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. Amen. The fact that we were made in his image is repeated again in verse 27 for double emphasis. The fact that we should exercise dominion on the earth is repeated again in verse 28 for double emphasis. So we have two principles that are double emphasized. We were made in God's image and we were made to have dominion. Amen. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God has dominion over the universe, but we were given dominion over the earth. Amen. We were told to steward the earth and all of its resources. We were commissioned to be master over all life on planet earth. Kind of heady, kind of grandiose sounding, but nevertheless true, nevertheless Bible. Amen. All right, so shifting the subject just a little bit. So when you read about kings and dominion in the Bible, what is it that they do? What do kings do? I want to concentrate on biblical kings, amen, because I believe that's the best example of godly kings that you can find is in the Bible. Kings exercise or establish dominion or authority. Isn't that right? Over a kingdom, a country, a region, or a territory. Kings establish dominion. I'm going to say it again because I want to emphasize it. Kings establish dominion. And by the way, ladies, when I talk about kings... You can be a king too. You don't have to call yourself a queen. You can be a king because the Bible says in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is neither male nor female. This is talking about kingship and authority and it applies to men and women in Christ alike. Amen. Here's an example from the reign of King David, my favorite king in all the Bible. First Chronicles chapter 18, verse 1 through 3 in the Darby. I don't you like the Darby. And after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them and took Gath and its towns out of the hand of the Philistines. And he smote the Moabites and the Moabites became David's servants 
and brought gifts. And David smote Hadarazer, king of Sobah, at Hamath, as he went to establish his dominion by the river Euphrates. Did you get that? David went about to establish his dominion. One translation says David went about to establish the borders of his land and his kingdom. Amen. David took ground from the enemy and he held it. He reestablished the borders that were lost under the kingship of Saul. Because that's what kings do. They exercise and establish dominion over what is rightfully theirs. Amen. Isn't that right? That's what we need to do as believers. We need to exercise dominion over what is rightfully ours. We need to find out who we are in Christ, what our rights and privileges are in Him, and we need to exercise dominion. Amen. We need to rule and reign in life. We are seated with Jesus at God's right hand. Whether you realize it or not, we are. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 in the King James Version says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, you can go to the Scripture in many places and find out that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father in position and authority. But what most Christians do not know is that we also are seated together with Him at the right hand of the Father in position and in authority. Amen. It's in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 in the New King James Version. But God who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There it is in the Bible. You might be physically here on the earth, Jesus lives in you, but also spiritually, you are seated with him at the right hand of God, and God expects you to exercise dominion, to act like the king that he made you to be. Jesus paid a heavy price in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Amen. But he did it all so that you could reign in life as a king. He did not intend for you to live under the circumstances. He intended for you to live above the circumstances. He intended you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He intended you to reign in life, not to be at the mercy of life and circumstances. I had a friend one time, and I asked him, I said, how you doing? He said, oh, all right, under the circumstances. And I said, what in the world are you doing under there? Do that to your friend next time you get that answer. If they're Christians, you can say, you were called to reign as a king in life. You should be riding on top of your circumstances. Amen. Sadly, many Christians do not know that they were made to reign as kings in this life. Galatians 4.1 brings that to life. This is in the New King James Version. Paul says, now I say that the heir, 
as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Let me break that down for you. What this verse is saying is that an heir who doesn't know he's an heir, doesn't know he is Lord of all, is no different than a slave. If a Christian doesn't know he was made to reign as a king in this life, he will become a slave to the world system and every demonic spirit that tries to dominate his life. He will just stand up to the devil and say, Go ahead, devil, steamroll me. God must be trying to teach me something by putting this disease on me. No, you need to stand up and take dominion over sickness and disease that Jesus paid the price to alleviate from your body. So you got no right to be on my body. I'm exercising my right as a king. And the king says, get off my body in Jesus name. It's a completely different mindset. You're not at the mercy of the forces of life. You're not at the mercy of every whim and every circumstance. You stand up and declare who you are and what belongs to you. You establish your borders and you say, you can't come into my territory, devil. This is my land. Get your hands off my wife, hands off my family, hands off my finances, and get your hands off our bodies in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Some Christians do know that they're called to be kings in this life, but they just don't feel like a king. This concept is wonderfully illustrated in Psalm chapter 8, and it's written by King David, and it's written from a king's perspective. So pay close attention to what David says here. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. We're going to read the whole psalm. This is in the King James Version. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Let me stop right there. When Jesus quoted this, in Matthew 21, 16, Jesus said it like this. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. So you put the two together and you see this is talking about the fact that even children, when they praise the Lord, they release the strength of the Lord that stills the enemy and the avenger. Praise is a weapon against the enemy, even in the mouth of children. Amen. Verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Many Christians look at the vastness of the universe, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, and the power of the spirit realm that brought all of that into existence, and they see themselves as small and insignificant are weak and ineffective in comparison. They don't realize that the same power that created the vast universe now lives on the inside of them. They don't have that revelation. So they're driven by their feelings. I know the Bible says I'm a king, but I don't feel like a king. 
It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God says. And God said, I made you to be a king. I made you to reign in this life. Amen. Imagine if the whole body of Christ got this revelation. We would rock this planet. Hallelujah. Sadly, many people's doctrine is so skewed that they simply cannot see themselves as kings in life. They see themselves as victims. They have the K Sarah Sarah kind of faith. Well, whatever comes my way, it must have been God's will. If the Mack truck is headed my way, I'm not going to step out of the way because it might be God's will for it to roll over me. People take this sovereignty of God to ludicrous extremes. You know what sovereignty means? You look it up in the dictionary, it means the one of highest rank. I believe in the sovereignty of God. He's the one of highest rank. Whatever he says is true is true, amen. And if he said he made you to be a king and reign in this life, then it has to be true. I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. But you know what? There is healing for stomped on toes in Jesus' name. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let's keep reading and see how David put these kinds of feelings in the right perspective. You know, he just got through telling us that even children, when they praise the Lord, they release the strength of the Lord, and it stills the enemy and the avenger. Yet there are times when I feel overwhelmed by the vastness of the universe and the, and the power in the spirit realm, and I feel like I'm no match for these beings that are coming against me, these demonic principalities. But, but he goes on to say, he pulls himself out of that little pity party and how he sees himself and how he feels, and he goes on in verse 5, and he puts all of those feelings in the perspective of what God says. For thou hast made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Let me stop right there. That word there is the word Elohim, which we just talked about. So it actually means, for thou hast made him, man, a little lower than God, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Remember, God exercises mastery over the whole universe. He just gave us one tiny little planet in the universe and said, this is yours. You rule and reign over the earth. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Does that leave anything out? No. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. He made us to be masters of all life. It's time we started seeing ourselves in that light. It's time we started seeing ourselves as kings reigning in life. Jesus told us in Luke 19, 13, through the parable of the pounds. This is on topic. We're just shifting just a little bit. Jesus told his followers, occupy until I come. That word, occupy, is a very interesting word. (laughs) Some of you older folks might remember laughing and Artie Johnson played the German. He had the German hat and he had a cigarette. Very interesting. That was my poor attempt 
at an Artie Johnson impression. So occupy is a very interesting word. In the Greek, it means to get busy. And in the parable, it's talking about making money for your Lord, producing fruit for him. But occupy in the English means something a little bit different. It's a military term, and it means to take ground from the enemy and hold it. Amen. So you put the two together, and the Lord was saying to us in parable form, while I'm gone, I want you to get busy using your gifts and talents to take ground and hold it for me. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You are to extend the influence of God's Word all over this earth. Establish His borders in the Spirit so that when He comes back, He can establish them in the physical. Right now, it is a spiritual kingdom on the earth. But there's coming a day when Jesus will come back with the armies of the Lord, and that includes you and me, and we will exercise dominion in a physical way. Jesus will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and He will be the King of the world. Occupy till I come. Get busy. Use your gifts and talents to take ground from the enemy and hold it until Jesus comes back. Because that's what kings do. Kings execute and establish dominion. Kings set the borders. Kings go and recover ground that was previously lost and reestablish the borders of the Lord so they can reign in life over increased territory all over the earth. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to end with this because it's kind of cool. We are actually called to reign in this life and also in the next life. We're going to reign as kings in this life. In fact, we already should be. But when we come back with Jesus to set up his earthly kingdom, we will also reign in life at that time, only more visibly and more physically than we do now. Now it's in the spirit realm. Then it'll be in the spirit realm and in the natural. Amen. Let me show that to you in the scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 in the King James Version. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the first few verses here in Revelation chapter 1 are the salutation or the introductory portion of the letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor. So we know from this fact that these verses were written to churches and church people who were alive at the time of the writing, people on the earth. So when he says, you were made to be kings and priests in this life, he's telling that to the churches that are already on the earth, okay? So we were, according to Scripture, called to be kings and priests in this present life. Amen. But if you fast forward to Revelation chapter 5 and read verse 9 and 10, it's a little bit different. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. 
and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There it is again. But there's a little bit different twist here. These verses are referring to events that John saw in his vision of things taking place in heaven. These are dead people that have gone to heaven and they're surrounding the throne and they're acknowledging that they will come back one day to the earth to reign in life on planet earth. Amen. They'll get their glorified bodies and they'll come back to the earth to help Jesus rule and reign on this planet. That's you and me. Amen. We're going to get glorified superhero bodies. It's a reality, folks. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Amen. No one will be able to stop us or hurt us in any way. Hallelujah. I like that. One of the reasons I'm looking forward to the millennial era is all whining will stop. As we used to say in the military, when people would whine, shut up in color. So I'm looking forward to that day because I'm so tired of hearing people say, we don't want your religion. We don't want your Christ. We want to live our own way. We want to live lives of hell and destruction, and we don't want nobody stopping us. I'm just looking forward to the day that those voices will be silenced. So amen. We were made to reign as kings in this life and also in the next life. Amen. Your destiny is not to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I hate to pop your bubble. You're going to spend some time in heaven, don't get me wrong. But eventually you're coming back to the earth to rule and reign for a thousand years and then on into eternity on the earth. So your destiny is right here on planet earth. Amen. Might as well change that paradigm right now. Now, you'll have your mansion in heaven. You might have an assignment on planet Earth, and I imagine you just say, I'm just going to zip on up there and just think yourself there, and then you're there. You know, oh, my favorite cat's still waiting for me here. I believe there's going to be pets in heaven. I do. Now, some people say pets don't have souls. Well, I beg to differ. If they have emotions, if they get angry, if they get scared, they have souls. Okay. And the Bible says they have a spirit of God on the inside of them. It might not be the same spirit we had, and it might not be just like God like we are, but they have spirit component. And God can do whatever he wants to do. And if you have a pet that you love, when they die and you bury them, I believe God is well able to resurrect that pet and have it waiting for you in heaven. Because after all, the animals didn't do anything wrong, yet they came under the curse of man. They did nothing wrong. So it seems wrong to me to say, well, they don't have souls, so they just die and they just cease to exist. That doesn't sound like the God I serve. He can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. Glory to God. All right, let me conclude by saying this. I want to make this clear because some people could take this as a very militant message. We're made to be kings and rule and reign in this life. But I want you to be sure that I mean that we exercise dominion over demonic principalities and powers, not over the people of this world. Amen. Let me read that to you in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's talking about 
the demonic hierarchy that operate in the atmosphere of the earth and on the earth. Okay? So our fight is not with the people of the world. Our fight is with the devil in the people of the world. Amen? But as kings in this life, we got to know that we have absolute authority over the devil and his kingdom. The devil, dare I say it, and his minions. We have absolute authority over the devil and his crowd, regardless of who they may be operating in and through in this world. Amen. We have authority. That's part of what it means to reign as a king in this life. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, just so that you know, I'm not just saying we have authority. Jesus said we had authority in the King James Version. He said, behold, I give unto you power. That word there in the Greek as exousia, which means authority. Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said he gave us all authority. It's another way of saying I made you to be a master of all life, even spirit life that is opposed to the to the agenda of God. You got authority over them, too. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So praise the Lord. We're going to continue next week along these lines. And I really didn't intend for this to be a series. But as I sort of tweaked my message last night, the Lord said, I want you to stay on this for a while because my people need to know that they're kings in life. They need to rule and reign in this life. They need to get out from under the rock and stand on top of the rock. Amen. And declare who they are and what belongs to them and contend for it in the spirit realm as kings in life and not as lowly servants. Amen. Glory to God. I don't want my people sitting on thrones in darkness not knowing that they were made to be kings in this life. So we'll continue next week with part two. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Forrest's teaching on Kings in Darkness. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for Spirit-Filled Prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <music>